hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark... Hello, friend, and thank you, Bill Haywatt. Tis I, Mark Hershon, your every other weekly host of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. And not only is this episode slated to actually drop on time for the first time in weeks, at least on my watch, my illustrious co-host Tyson Saner always clocks his eppies in on time, but I am now safely ensconced in studio and my nerd nest in my new digs in Grass Valley, California. Still working on soundproofing and little bells and whistles to make this really come together, but it's a process, you know. Speaking of Tyson, which I was just doing, I'm hoping you caught his most recent installment, also known as episode 312, entitled Nothing in Common, in which he featured a trio of comedy soundcast entries which had little to do with one another other than the fact they were comedy-oriented. They were No Cover, live from Savage Henry Comedy Club, Gag on This Podcast, and In Bed with Nick and Megan. I said were, but may as well have said are, since you can still avail yourself of said episode, fetchable at Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Amazon Music, Audible, Podchaser, Podbay, and on our own humble little home site at SuckatashShow.com, where you can avail yourself of over 11 years of episodes of this podcast, or soundcast as we prefer to say. This week, I've pulled together four shows to clip, all under a common theme. I'm calling this episode, Let's All Go to the Movies, because I've selected a quartet of comedy-oriented movie review shows. In the past, we featured such soundcasts as How Did This Get Made and the Film Threat Podcast with friend of the show, Chris Gore. I ventured out into the soundcast diverse and found shows we've not featured yet, which means you'll be hearing snippets from But Is It Good, Forever Movie Boys, Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong, and They're Just Movies. In addition, we're brought to you this week by Henderson's Pants' wildly appropriate Hooray for Hollywood slacks. Plus, we get back into sharing your social media handles when I dip into the tweet sack a little later in the show. For now, though, let's hit those clips. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hear this. I'm going to start off with the soundcast called They're Just Movies because they did a review recently of Lightyear. That Buzz Lightyear movie, that sort of spin-off of Toy Story, which I've not seen yet, so I was pretty curious. This soundcast is hosted by a, quote, small group of nerds, unquote, as they call themselves, which includes Riley Murdoch, David Gautier, and James Stribe. Their collective reviews around the film, featuring a different flavor of Buzz Lightyear than we've seen in the Toy Story movies, are a little light on the kudos, I must say, but they don't out-and-out trash the film. To put a positive spin on their take, they start out talking about what they liked about it. David, what'd you like about the movie? You gave gave it the highest rating out of all of us. And I'll stand by that for now. Uh, I think what I like the most about this movie is I've always wanted a Pixar movie that kind of does like a straight-faced fantasy or sci-fi thing. And that's Mm. what this does. It's not like on its surface a kid's movie. It's like, hey, it's a space adventure 
uh, and they're taking it the content fairly seriously. I think that oh, well, yeah, fairly, <laughs> fairly. I think that they they fail to they kind of try and straddle like an adventure that would appeal to grown-ups and then the kid story, and they kind of land somewhere in the middle in a weird middling middling zone. But uh, I like that they. It it's not like making fun of sci-fi movies. Like it's like a it's like a real sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I liked. Um, I was like pretty stoked for this movie because I don't know. I feel like I I have watched the Toy Story movies a million times with my kid now, uh, and I think you and I were talking about this a while ago, David. How like I'm realizing that these movies were. They're just solid. Phenomenal. They make me cry every time at the end now. Yeah. It's crazy. And they are just, they're they're so good, so I was like super excited to see the spinoff, and it seemed like really influenced by, you know, Star Wars and kind of like a more gritty, like grounded sci-fi type of thing, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I, okay, not gritty and grounded as in realistic, but sort of like feels lived in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, like Star Wars. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I think they they delivered on some of the stuff that I thought they would. I mean, the ship design and the like, the stuff looks really good. Yeah. It's got that kind of like used Star Wars look a mm-hmm. bit. Um, the animation obviously is like it's pretty stellar, super good. Man, the material technology they have now, like the way Socks looks, like his little velvet fur. I was like, yeah. I, just, I can I can feel it with my eyes. Yeah, and that was the other like really good thing for me about the movie was just Socks. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I feel like you. It it takes you a little bit to kind of warm up to yeah. to the robot. You're, you're like, like oh, okay, it's yeah, it's a sassy, yeah, yeah, it's a funny, sarcastic robot or whatever. But there are like some genuinely funny moments. Like, give me some of them. <laughs> like when he when he when he shoots out the dart and you're just like not expecting it. <laughs> you're just like, was that for me? And he's five? like, I g- yeah, I gave you five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, beep boop beep boop beep boop beep. <laughs> I don't know. There are just like a, a lot of moments. And he like when they're like, can, socks, can you light the way? And he he's like. All the little noises he makes. He makes little robot noises, yeah. but it's just that voice actor, Peter Soane, just making the noises. And then one of them is a laser for his... Oh. his like, makes a laser with his eyes, and he's, like, chasing it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Anyways, uh, yeah, I thought there were funny moments. Yep. But unfortunately, for every funny moment, it was like there was another moment that was supposed to be funny that was not. I didn't find there was too many moments with Socks that didn't land, but the, mm. with the other characters. Oh, not with Socks, oh, just yeah, with, with the, the movie ones. in general, yeah. Yeah. Do you have to say something else you like about it, Linus? My kids enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, they killed in the theater I was in. I went on like a Sunday matinee, and there was probably like 40, 50 kids, and they loved it. Mm. But the kids are dumb, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the the thing is, I, I and it's hard for me to reconcile that with my overall takeaway, which is that I was lied to within the first three seconds of the movie starting. Oh. Um, I just I just do not believe that that's the movie Andy watched. Right. Yeah. And went out and got a Buzz Lightyear doll. Like the the beginning of the movie is pretty adult paced. Right. It's really slow moving compared yeah. to especially more modern kids movies. Like I'm I'm especially reminded of that um uh, what is it? The Mitchells versus the oh, machines yeah, or whatever yeah. with that really frenetic TikTok pace of editing. Um this I, I really didn't feel that way about. I I also just I can't ignore how utterly helpless Buzz is. I mm. I wanted to keep track by the time it happened three or four times of how many times Buzz needed to be rescued in mm. this movie. Um, he's a very unconventional space marine hero. And I couldn't figure out, again, retcons, retcons, retcons. Why does Toy Buzz have so much swagger yeah. if he's not a cartoonishly badass 
Space Marine. To infinity and beyond. Well, there's a taste of They're Just Movies, taken from an episode that dropped about half a month ago. They've had several more since then and plenty more back in their archives. You can find the show anywhere you access your finer soundcasts or just wander over to our home site, SuccotashShow.com, and click on the title of their show, They're Just Movies, in the blog entry for this episode. You will be whisked in extreme comfort to their home site. A trio of Australian guys host the Forever Movie Boys soundcast. The funny thing is that there are three of them, but the logo for their show only features two caricatures, although there is a kernel of popcorn hovering between the other two, so maybe that's the third guy? And as is often the case since we started doing Succotash 11 and a half years ago, no trace of any names for the hosts, at least not on the web. Maybe they mentioned it during the show, but I somehow missed it. Anyway, in advance of them wanting to catch the new Elvis movie by Boz Lerman, they treated themselves to a bit of culty classic Elvis the week before it opened called Bubba Hotep, which I think is a great movie, but it seems they didn't quite dig it. It's almost like the 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 elevator pitch is better than the the than fleshing out the film itself. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's a Reddit thread. Exactly, it's a Reddit thread. It's like you could totally stumble across a premise like this in a in a fucking Reddit thread. And whatever your imagination conjures up, this like half movie that your imagination thinks up is probably going to be better than anything that gets realized because the thing that gets realized has to fill out at least 90 minutes and maybe there isn't 90 minutes of an idea here. Mm. Like, it's kind of how I feel about the movie because there's so much stuff in there that could work a lot better, but it just doesn't. Like, I don't feel like the the staff at the um, at the old people's home uh and all fleshed out really and play and they play almost no part in the direction of things no they're almost not even there yeah, yeah they're, like they're the practically majority not. of the time there's like, reggie all people dying left up. and right yeah yeah we love reggie we love reggie but like he pops up for like a line and then i think he's in some of the background scenes as yeah. the story like- kind of progresses but like <laughs> The, the, like the way he delivers that line to uh to the nurse when she's talking about the electricity like kind of going off in that room, it seems almost sinister. It almost seems like he kind of knows what's going on, but it's just like Reggie doing like a creepy delivery or something for no reason, mm. or just being an asshole. I guess is the character. Yeah, being the dick boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it just doesn't really like that's it. You know, like there's no the fact that Ozzy Davison and uh and Elvis fucking or like JFK and Elvis just run rampant in like the last act of the film basically all over the grounds of the old people's home unimpeded and just fight this fucking mummy it just feels kind of like a, a disappointing you know that there there's no other conflict that like the staff present or anything like that in the way of that goal like there's even a part where they're like suiting up near the end uh and they're getting all their shit ready Elvis pulls out his fucking I think he's he's stolen a bunch of shit, and he literally says yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I got this from like the uh, locked, uh, the, yeah. lo- the play like the I lock, just lost picked the lock. Town. I just picked the lock, mm. and it's like maybe we could have seen that, and we could have had like a nice yeah. tense scene of him doing that. Like, like why didn't we get to see? see I thought something? the exact same thing. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, yeah. we're just jumping time here, and they're throwing everything they've collected on the bed. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Like yeah, I was like, why don't we get to see any of the gatherings? It's so yeah, it's it's very I don't know, lazy might not be the right word, but it, I, it definitely I just, feels like that kind of... 
I just think it's this is what I mean where what I said earlier the about cheapness the cheapness of the, it. the cheapness exactly it's like restrained in a sense by its budget like it ha- it didn't quite know how to meet its um its premise with like the budget that was afforded it and I, I don't know how much the how it plays out in the short so the short story so it could be different like it could be a little bit more dramatic but it could be the same it could just be it could be like an incredibly faithful adaptation of just not a very good short story you know um, I did kind of with the premise. No, no, uh, you know, knowing that it was just like Elvis and JFK fight a uh, mummy, I, mm. I kind of was thinking it would go like Home Alone with it, and yeah, they like because yeah. they're so old. I was like, because because they're so old, how do they fight a mummy? And it turns out that they just fight the mummy and light it on fire, which Twice. I, yeah. I was disappointed in. I was yeah. very disappointed in, but. Um, I, I really expected them to like lay traps throughout the old folks' home to try and like, you know, d- d- trick the mummy or something like that. Well, I just thought I thought that, like the fact that yeah, I, the fact that the climax uh, culminates in Bruce Campbell lighting it on fire once, and then it getting back <laughs> up and fighting him, and then him lighting it on fire again, and then like killing mm. it, like lighting it on fire enough to release the souls inside it or something is like. Yeah, I was like, I don't get that. No, it's <laughs> I don't like, understand it, why the it feels kind of lazy. Fire is the one, it and just, I honestly well, thought they clarify it earlier. It's in the Book of Souls. That's the Forever Movie Boys soundcast. Always interesting to get the take of movies from audiences down under. Check them out wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. In the midst of all this movie hoopla, it seems the perfect time to slip into a pair of hooray for Hollywood pants, doesn't it? Transport us, Bill Haywatt. Well, hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. You know, as the saying goes, fame is fleeting. But it doesn't have to be. When you become well-known for wearing Henderson's spiffy new Hooray for Hollywood slacks, you'll be doing a star turn every time you hit the town in these ultra-modern, ultra-cool pants because they are custom-fitted, but not customized to your contours. Oh, my goodness, no. Hooray for Hollywood slacks! designed for both men and women have been made to duplicate the look of some of the silver screen's most famous butts and groins. Imagine having your behind mistaken from behind for Cary Grant or Charlize Theron or the daring derriere of Scarlett Johansson or Bradley Cooper. Even the spectacular package of Milton Berle, Forrest Tucker or John Hamm. It's a case of mistaken identity that you'll be happy to have. Not to mention that now as you bump and grind your way down the street, it will be like being on your very own personal walk of fame. Originally designed for Shia LaBeef, most residents of Reseda and the Beverly Hills Police Stalkers Task Force, Henderson's Hooray for Hollywood pants are available wherever the beautiful people are afraid to shop. Plus in Kardashian sizes by special order only. That's Henderson's makers of fine leggings and butt huggers since 1867, and now back to Tash. Our third movie-review-related comedy soundcast is called But Is It Good? No question mark in that title, if you were wondering. And it's hosted by Hunter Callahan and Zach Olson. We're just going to pop back a couple of weeks when the host welcomed guest Robert Clough in to discuss Ghostbusters Afterlife, the way-too-long-anticipated sequel to the second Ghostbusters movie. They all kind of dug it, but there were some issues. 
the, the only gripe I have with this movie, and it's not even a gripe, it's like, in a movie like this, it's really easy to like suspend disbelief. But this is a right. very common theme in things like Star Wars, even like the original, but also in the new one, like with Ray and Luke. Mm-hmm. There's uh, they 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 have a name for them in film. It's like the Mary Sue or something like that or whatever. Where it's like they just sort of know how to do everything. Okay, so, so that's my only gripe. Is, is that where Phoebe knows how to? Not even Phoebe. Phoebe, I can I can buy because like she is a certified genius and like Egon's kind of like. Coaching her. Oh, but but but, but like, podcast when he knows how to how to do the podcast can do the <laughs> oh, track yeah. all of a sudden. He just knew. And, then, and then Trevor, yeah, like not only can drive but like knows how to work. To, like I was just like uh-huh. that's, but like that's my that's kind of my only gripe. Where I was like, okay, all right, I guess we're in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, but again, like that doesn't bring the movie down for me. I I eventually was like, okay, they can do it. Sure. Carry I had on. you know I had one gripe and that was when Phoebe's talked about her. Uh, grandfather died of a heart attack. That was the whole thing. Was they they knew they were going to the house because he died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know he died of a heart attack. I mean, when yeah. you see movies like Jurassic Park and somebody gets splashed by the dinosaur, you know, yeah. stomped by the dinosaur. I mean, I I know how he died. He died because of a dinosaur. He yeah. died. Yeah. Spangler, Spangler died because uh, he was caught by a, yeah, one of those like ghosts the, and like it grabbed him just gun. like it did uh, Sigourney Weaver's yeah, character yeah. in the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. So that, Dana. I was, I was, I was confused because so he did die from the ghost, like the ghost does kill yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, but, but that even goes back to show that like whatever information they're getting from their mom and perhaps she's getting from someone else isn't the, re- it isn't the truth. Right. Is this like, yeah, he, cause I guess they just found him there, I guess. Supposedly. They, they cause the the cold open ends with him in his chair mm-hmm. and the little meter underneath the chair and it's like his body and he, but he doesn't like he's been wounded he's just sort of there so I guess they would assume a heart attack yeah and did you catch the reference when he died the, probably not the tr- <laughs> the the so they have these little devices they carry around the yeah, right. ghost detectors they call them something else yeah. Well, the ghost detector laying at his feet that he was using to see if the ghost was around all of a sudden starts lighting up. Yeah, because it's him. And then you see Phoebe using that same device. And when she's in her room, that device starts lighting up. And Mm -hmm. it's because he's in there as the ghost now. Yeah, That's, that's, I, I, I feel like when I saw it at the beginning, I did, I was like, I guess there's something happening. When it happened in Phoebe's room, I realized, I I said, okay, that's Spangler. Like I, I got that pretty quick. Yeah. Um. But anyway, yeah, so we find the car. That's what it was. Trevor just fixes the car. Well, he almost fixes the car. And <laughs> That's then, true. And That's then, true. Uh, and then Egon. Spang, yeah, like does a little wire. Right. But I was kind of like, is he? What I'm does almost, he know? I'm almost 30 <laughs> yeah. and I can't fix the car. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, I mean, that, I'm not saying he couldn't have. It just seemed a little random where he was like, I can all of a sudden fix this like 19... 19- what, 60s Cadillac? Because it was old in the first movie, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, that's been sitting there for God knows how long. Right. 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 That's my only gripe. Um, See, that was more consistent with Dan Aykroyd's character, Ray. He was into cars, and yeah. all these reflect Dan Aykroyd in real life. He was into the paranormal stuff. He's yeah. into the cars, and he has all these little quirky things that he says, and it's that dry wit that kind of drives yeah. a lot of the Ghostbuster movies. Mm-hmm. So l- let me ask you. Um, and then we can we can move on. We have uh, Phoebe, Trevor, podcast, and then at the end we have, have Lucky. That's the girl's name. We have right? Lucky, yes. So if you had to correlate each those four, 
to the original Ghostbusters, who's who? So Phoebe Spangler. Phoebe, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Then I would say Trevor's Ray. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, we, we kind of established that. Mm-hmm. Uh, gee, the other ones. Uh, Bill Murray's character, he was just a wise ass. And uh, uh, he was the only, like, womanizer of the group yeah. where he was always pursuing girls. Well, he was talking to Gozer. He's like, we could have been a power couple. Yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic line, too. Um, oh, yeah. So that would be like, I, I would say probably podcast. He was the goofy one, maybe. We're giving you some very good movie barometers here in this episode. Check out But Is It Good the next time you're thinking about catching something at the movies. When you're gambling, it's usually a good idea to cover your bets. I get the feeling that's what's going on with our last show, uh, which is called Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. That's because it's a soundcast that's also produced in conjunction with Rotten Tomatoes itself. According to the show's description, hosts Jacqueline Coley and Mark Ellis go deep and settle the score with some of the most beloved and despised movies and TV shows ever made. Helping them tackle an overview of all six Jurassic Park movies is actor Andrew Guy. Speaking of chaos, our guest today, um, just a, a wonderful human being, start to finish, who is in not one but two movies coming out right now, and they're about to make the film festival rounds. A Bogota Trip and Always Lola are the movies that are being starred in by Andrew Guy. Andrew, I've also seen you worldwide announcing esports. You occasionally are next to me when we're talking movie trivia with the Schmodown, and now you're here talking about Jurassic Park. You and I got to see Dominion together, and we enjoyed a hearty bucket of popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. And yes, we did watch Dominion together, and it was interesting because I think we came out with one uh, feeling of the movie, and then we ran into a group of friends who had the polar opposite feeling of said movie. So it'll it'll be fun to kind of break it down and see where it ends up on the tomato meter. As you said, it's dropped already a decent amount just in the next few days, or I guess in the last few days. So I'm excited to keep watching the trajectory. And this is this is why Jacqueline knows this as well as anyone. When when I see a movie in a theater, I want to leave. I, I want to be by myself with my own thoughts. I don't want to run into a gaggle of friends who's going to try to sway me in one direction or the other. Jacqueline, are you a big reviewer of movies as soon as you leave the theater? Are you looking for the gaggle or are you trying to avoid the gaggle? Um, Depends on the movie theater, depends on the gaggle. Actually, it really depends on the gaggle. Like there are certain people who I value their opinions, and but I also work at Rotten Tomatoes where people give it very freely. So <laughs> you kind of have to have a little bit of an energy diet on whose opinion you let matter. And I will say that there are, it's a very short list, but yeah, I, if I see Justin Chang after a movie, I'd be interested to see what he has to say about it. I'd be equally as interested to hear what you have to say about it, but <sighs> certain <laughs> gaggles at the, at our press screenings. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just want to stay it's away a very from good it way to put entirely. it. I yeah, mean, but, like, I don't know who gave this rumor that I enjoy people in all forms. I'm much more of a particular co- sampling of the human race. Like, well, we all have energies. dogs. We yeah, all, we all, we all have, have dogs. dogs and dogs, dogs, cool. more than anything else, remind me of the dinosaurs now in Jurassic Park. We're going to get into that and some of the issues that I have with Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. Uh, we're not going to spoil Dominion, by the way. I, I want everybody to know that because the movie just came out this past weekend. We're not going to spoil Dominion. We might give some light plot points, but nothing too in-depth. If you've not yet seen the movie, you can still continue to listen to the episode. So, Andrew, I'm going to start with you really quick. You heard my ranking as far as the tomato meter goes of Jurassic yeah. Park films start to finish one through six. I'm just going to ask you if you agree. Is Rotten Tomatoes right or is Rotten Tomatoes wrong 
about Jurassic Park being number one and then Fallen Kingdom being number six? Uh, I, I love to say it, but I believe Rotten Tomatoes is wrong when it comes to this list of six that we have. I mean, the, the top of it, number one, I don't think anyone's ever going to argue that, but I think it does fall apart just a little bit two through six. Okay, Jacqueline Coley, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about their tomato meter ranking? I mean, in the sense is that's what people said at the time. Obviously not. It's so weird with rankings to say if it's wrong. I'll say it feels right. How about that? It feels right. Because <laughs> that's what it right. does. It feels right. Like, I can't argue one way or the other. Because I think after one or two, it, the bar is low. And I don't think anybody met it. <laughs> We have uh, podcast episodes to back me up on that. Yeah, but some met it more than others. So I'm going to say Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about the rankings. Andrew has a great point. I think we all know it's going to be number one on all of our lists. But then from there, two through six, the water's going to get a little choppy. Now, that clip of Rotten Tomatoes is wrong I grabbed from the top of the show. So if you really want to hear them bore down on the Jurassic franchise, you're going to want to download the whole episode. You can pick up the show pretty much everywhere. Them's the clips, but we're not quite done. Yeah, that's right, Tweety. It's Tweet Sack time. I'm going to reel off the handles of some of the fine folks who've kindly mentioned our handle, at Succotash Show, in their socials in the past couple of weeks, and maybe there's a few extra mentions as well. Here we go. Hughes Lopez 97 Corey Lamont Barry, Zombie Bacterium, The Jock Doc Podcast, Phil Lairness, Let's Chat Podcast, The Talking Dicks, Eric Furness, The D-Head Factor, Different Way Games, Fascination Street, Misfit Scully, Married Crazy and Podcasts, Salty Language Pod, Renee Cumberland, Cheetonic Games, Stand Up Dad's Podcast, Big Nick J, I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam, Robert Santiago, Julie Waddell, Helper, Hal Lublin, Abner Sir, Copin with Comic, Kevin Gooty, Monster Party, Kate used to tweet about libraries, and Chloe Cronk. Then over on SoundCloud, there's G Mafia Report, Brandy, James Campos, Sylvia Foreman, Kimmy's Playlist, and Shirley started following us over there as well. So thanks, guys. See what happens when I get behind on those? There's so many to read. Thanks, everybody. If you'd like to get in on that number and have me read your name or social media handle, just toss our at Succotest Show handle into your socials, and if I see it, we'll plug you here. We have reached the end of our designated time together for this week. Aww. Yeah. Tyson Saner returns next week in this very same feed to bring you Succotash episode 314. Most likely clips, but it could be a chat or maybe a mixed combo plate special. Who knows? If you'd like to check out my Vulture Soundcast reviews, the column I contribute to has been renamed This Month in Comedy Podcasts, and my June one is still up. I reviewed a recent entry from our old pals Hal Lublin and Mark Gagliardi from their We Got This Soundcast, and that's over at Vulture.com. Other than that, if you find a discarded cell phone in the street and you pick it up, then it rings, you answer it, say hello, and a voice at the other end asks if you've been listening to anything good lately, won't you please pass the succotash? 
You've been listening to Sockatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.